Thank you. Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Jason, and I am I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be back at the harbor. I consider this place home. Uh, my parents and my, my wife's parents, Sarah, they know that when we come to Louisiana, um, our you know third uh, place that we will be, we consider first really is going to be the Harbor family. That's our community. So I am excited to be here, and I'm I'm honored to be here to speak to you guys. Um, I do consider myself a speaker, and I just want to like preface the entire morning by saying um, I believe something that. Um, not necessarily is missing, but I think is necessary in the church today is a bit of authenticity. I think the past, um, the past phase, the past season, the past generation of church has been all about relevancy. Um, but what purpose is relevancy if I'm not real? And so I want to, I want to preface all this by saying I'm going to be real this morning. I'm going to be myself. I'll accept you as yourself. Uh, and so let's work together to hopefully discover to explore uh, a truth about God, another facet about his character, about his work, both in the past, present, and future, as well as, uh, as here in the local church. So let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity, for the wonderful honor it is to gather with other believers, with people who know you, who desire to know you more. I thank you for the safety and the security that I feel in this house. Thank you that we are here to learn more about you. God, I, I hope for and I declare a sense of attentiveness and expectancy to find purity in truth. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, so I am happy to be here. I am. I am happy that my wife is here. Sarah, so awesome. Um, I love that song that she sang. It's uh, special to us. Uh, the birth of both of our children, that song was, was that, like, keeping us going uh, throughout the whole birthing process. So that was awesome. I sing as well, or I have sang. Uh, <laughs> you'll see. Um, I have sang up here before, uh, as I've spoken. Um, I think the first time that I spoke here on a Sunday morning, about seven or eight years ago, I referenced a couple songs from like The Little Mermaid, The Aristocats, The Sound of Music, um, you know, relevancy, right? Um, did that. Um, I have sang uh, He's Still Working on Me. Come on. I mean, that's like a classic, right? I think that's the motto, the mantra of the, the New Testament church. He's still working on me. Um, but I've never sang for like a standing ovation. I've never sang on purpose or with permission. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've, I've never, you know, I've never sang up here in, in, that, in that way. Uh, I do some singing at our house. Uh, when the situation or when the experience merits it, you know, when something happens and then just this line comes to your mind. I'm sure it happens to you, you know. Something happens and then you just burst into song, you know. I usually sing falsetto because uh, I can't get that perfect pitch. It's either too low, don't know what you're doing, or falsetto. So I just go for falsetto. Um, lately, we've sang Simply Reds. If you don't know me by now, uh, that's kind of a classic in our house. Uh, Leanne Rhymes, How Do I Live? Yeah, sing that to Meredith to put her to sleep. Um, secretly planning our daughter, dad, dance at her wedding. Uh, Whitney Houston's, um, some, a couple classics by her. We sing those. Um, 
And I also sing some church-appropriate ones, you know, some, you know, he's still working on me. We, we throw back to our upbringing, even last night, Sarah and I, like, delirious, we put on the Spotify playlist, uh, 90s Christian top hits, and just, like, <laughs> let delirious and newsboys, and we let Mary Mary, you know, guide us in our drive home. Um, but I, I also sing this song, this lady, when I was a little kid, this lady sang this song in our church, uh, it's called Wrapped Up, Tied Up, Tangled Up, you know, you guys know that? I will not sing that, because I can't, um, look it up on YouTube, Wrapped Up, Tied Up, Tangled Up, it sounds like this true crime podcast, uh, or maybe like an episode of CIS or something, but it's it's not. It's um, it's this guy, you know, the writer is writing how overwhelmed and how tied up and tangled up he feels in his relationship with God and, and in the love of God. And, and it's, it's great. It's awesome. I'm not here to knock a style of music or a generation. I'm not here to knock his expression of his relationship with Christ, but... Um, I am here to present a truth and a perspective that I'd like to uh, consider um, this morning. Um, when I think of when I think of the word tangle, I think of cliche situations like Christmas lights. Um, I think of electrical cords. I think of the sound booth sometimes. Uh, pre Ryan, pre Ryan. Uh, I think of headphones. I think of kids' toys, and I think of Ikea furniture. I think of frustrated mindsets because a tangle is never natural. A tangle is never supposed to be the headphones were not designed to be tangled. Electrical cords were not designed to be tangled. Ikea furniture, I don't know what it was designed for. Um, uh, nobody knows. But a tangle is never natural. And so when I think of a tangle, I think of this frustrated mindset. I think of this exhaustion. I think of this disconnect between what is and what I expect it to be, or really what it should be, um, what reality should be. Um, and so I, I, I have felt, I have felt like life was tangled before, and I'm sure you have as well. I've I've experienced life in a frustrated mindset, a season of my life. Um, I've experienced um, a season of frustration and thoughts that question the order, the design, the intention of my life, and the culture and the climate of my immediate surroundings. I have experienced that, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't. If you aren't, or if you haven't, Please stay with us, because I think what I'm going to talk about this morning, this truth that I'm going to discuss this morning, is an important perspective for us to have in our relationship with God as well as life as a whole. It's a truth. It's a way of looking at things, not only objectively, but truthfully. And so please stay with us. Um, if, if, um, while these are honest thoughts, while the frustrated... Uh, approach that we have to situations in life that don't seem right or seem a little off or seem a little unnatural. While those are honest thoughts and certainly valid experiences, they do not define the way of God. Frustration is not the way of God. If our we think that our relationship with God is this exchange of an old, unaware life for a new, enlightened, and aware life in which we are mandated and commissioned to make sense of life. 
that's not the way of God. God did not open your eyes. God did not uh, open a veil. God did not help you become enlightened so that you can make sense of life, even know every full answer of life. That's not, that's not the way of God. Um, I, I know that life before the fall of man was never meant to be full of sin and death and this feeling of frustration and, and tangledness, unkindness and vice, gluttony and numbness. But, but here we are. And so we are presented with situations in which we feel frustrated, in which we feel like things are not the way that they're supposed to be. It's a truth. It's a reality. Maybe I should clarify God's plan for your life, for humanity under the new covenant, is not to wait in frustration and misery until he comes. So if you are approaching or if you are experiencing life at this very moment in a frustrated, in a tense, in an anxious way, stop. Press pause. Let's not try to figure the thing out. Let's not try to tear it apart. Let's not try to break it down. Let's discuss our perspective. Let's discuss our mindset at which we are approaching life. Life is not a mess to make sense of. Your past is not something for you to straighten out. Theology, doctrine, and what you believe is not a mess to untangle. And so if you are approaching your past, if you are approaching theology, if you are approaching church, if you are approaching what we believe as if it is some mess to untangle, as if it's some thing to work out, stop. You're doing it wrong. The steps of a righteous person is not a vague riddle to sort out or decipher. And so if you, as a young person, as any person, because we are all able and capable of a new beginning, of a new step, of a new phase in life in a next, if you are approaching your next as if it is some vague riddle to, to work out and to decipher and to determine, stop. You're doing it wrong. And I'm not here to say that in a condemning way. I'm just trying to help you. For one, we have this reminder. Proverbs 20.24. Proverbs 20.24 in the New Living Translation. The Lord directs our steps. That word our is so important because it means that we're talking about a collective body. Not only humanity at large, but certainly, first and foremost, as believers, as people who know and understand and accept, who follow Jesus Christ. The Lord dis- directs our steps. So why try to under- understand everything along the way? You're grasping at the wrong thing. Ecclesiastes tells us it's like grasping at smoke if you try to figure everything out. Because once you go to grab for it, it just it's like vapor. It fades away. If you're trying to figure out the frustrated thing that you're working with, you're doing it wrong. Life is not a tangled mess to unravel. We're going to get there. How refreshing is this truth? The fact that first the Lord directs our steps But it's also refreshing to say that I can step away by trying to figure it all out. Maybe you're cerebral. Maybe you're analytical. Maybe that's where you're prone to go. Maybe you're easy-go-lucky. Maybe you are go-with-the-flow, and your mind doesn't even go there. You just, it's like whenever you feel like you have a headache, and it's like you realize, like, oh, wait, I've been clenching my teeth all day, right? You're going with the flow. 
<laughs> yeah. How refreshing is this truth? There is a, 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 re a release and a redirection from what we may be prone to do, no matter your personality. First, we're not puppets. When it says the Lord directs our steps, I want to clarify we're not puppets, and I'll get into that. So we're not, we're not puppets. We do have input. We do have say in our life. Because when I think about life, I can think of three categories. I can think of any experience, any situation that you have in your life. It's going to fall in one of these three categories. It's going to fall in the category of things that God has created, willed, and ordained. You being a person and alive. You being born to your parents. You being here. In, in some way. It is something that God has ordained and set up. I did not choose to be born to Jack and Tammy. I did not choose to be born in St. Helena Parish. I did not, God, who does? Um, no offense if you are here and that is your home. It's my parents' home. Um, you know, I did not choose to be born in Louisiana. I did not choose to I did not choose to be white. I did not choose to be tall. God knows I did not choose to be skinny with a really high metabolism. I also, I do choose to be a picky eater, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, there are things that, that God wills and God ordains, and, and that's a great place to start because it helps us to understand foundationally uh, as God as creator, God as supreme, God as the head, God as... Uh, God as the God, okay? That, that, that helps to uh, realign our perspective and our personal alignment. The second category that we can kind of fit things, situations, experiences in life is the things that happen to us by others without the permission or prompting of God. And a lot of us, when we think of the mess of our lives, we can kind of pinpoint that, oh yeah, it goes in that category. This is something that was done against me. This was something that was maybe done for me and for my benefit, but it was something that was done without the permission or prompting of God because we do have free will, not only you as a believer, but also our friends and family um, who, who may not claim to believe in Jesus Christ. We all have a free will. And so there are things that are done against you that tangle up your mess, tangle up your life, uh, and those are things that are done by people without, again, the permission or prompting of God. And I want to clarify that, and I want to say that like five times, without the permission or prompting of God. Because that third category, there are things that you do in your life that are done without the permission and prompting of God. It may be done with the... Um, uh, I want to say blessing, but like the, uh, it's like when I watched my son do something, I didn't uh, explicitly tell Jack, you may do that. I'm watching him though. I'm seeing how this is going to work out because I can use this as a teaching moment or I can use this as a dude, good job. I, you know, developing moment. Let's, let's, uh, let's develop that character of you. So there are things, situations, experiences that happen in your life. And those are things that God wills and ordains God as creator there are things that happen to us, either uh, for, our, for a consequence or a benefit by others. And then there are things that happen in our lives that are due to our own decisions. And it seems elementary, but um, sometimes we need to get back to the elementary whenever we're dealing with a tangled mess, right? We, we stopped fooling with the tangled mess. We're stepping back and we're taking stock of these things that happen in our life. 
But you know, that got a little technical. But you know, God delights in it all. God delights in it all. He's here for it all. He is here, obviously, for the things that he wills and ordains in your life. He's here for the things that are done against you or for your benefit by others. And he's here for the things that he allows you to do in your life, the decisions, the dreams, the plans that he allows you to do in your life. He's here for it all. And he actually delights in it all. And I love that word delight because it brings a bit of emotion and a bit of humanity to a life that otherwise I would probably convey and look at in a much more technical way. He delights in it all. And that's Psalms 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. I appreciate this thought. He delights in every detail of their lives. This makes God personal. God is not master of the universe, orchestrating everything, pressing a couple buttons, saying a couple words, and letting it happen, and just watching it happen. He delights. There is a, there is a humanity. There's a personalization that happens. For one, I appreciate this thought because what good is a God who is what good is a God who is shaken or affected by my own consequences, our trauma, or our humanity? What good is a God who is shaken or affected by the seeming mess of our lives? That may seem offensive. I want God to be affected by my life. It may put a few of us off. God isn't affected by my trauma. The things that were done against me without his or my permission. No. Does he comfort us? Yes. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Like that is, that is a huge benefit and a huge experience of the New Testament church. His comforting us in our seemingly mess, in our, in our life. But what good is a friend? If we want to look at this before we get back into the back into life what good is a friend who when hearing the loss of my child at the hands of a drunk driver becomes so overtaken with grief and surprise that i receive no counsel or advice or consolation or empathy what good is a friend who at the hearing of this traumatic experience themselves becomes so overcome with emotion and 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 ah, messiness, that I myself, when I need, in the moment that I need comfort the most, I can't get it because they are so affected by my trauma. We want him to be affected, and we want him to feel emotion, and we want him to connect, but you don't really. Also, what good is a friend who, hearing the same news, the loss of my child at the hands of a drunk driver. What good is a friend who, at hearing the same news, responds stoically, with no emotion, no empathy? That friend is also no use to us as well, because I outright receive no comfort. I outright receive no, no empathy. We value the friend 
This is the friend that you value the most, whether or not you know it. The friend that you value the most is the friend who is there, who listens and waits and endures. That is a thing that I am not good at as a husband, enduring. Not enduring the toughness, but enduring the emotional language of an experience. I immediately want to respond with, here's your advice. Here's what you should do. But we value the friend. I think we, if we look at it, we value the father. We value God who listens, who waits, and endures, who is faithful. That's the God that we really serve. And if you stop tangling with your mess long enough, if you stop and you, you, you identify that is my God, then we can move forward. So if we can do that, if you can stop muddling with your mess, if you can stop being conflicted in your, in your mind, or if you can stop fixing things for a while, stop and realize my God is a God who listens, who waits, and endures. Now let's go forward. From this perspective, this truth that God delights in er every area of my life, the years that I have been given do not seem like a tangled mess. This thought that he delights in my details, not the highlight reel, my strengths and my passions, my talents and my individuality, but the details of my life, the interconnectedness of my birthday to the state I was born in, to the embarrassing moments of my adolescence, to my religious upbringing or the lack thereof, to the trauma that I may have ex experienced by the hand of others, to the decisions that I've made and the consequences or the benefits that I have reaped with those, to the things that he has willed and ordained in my life, God delights in every detail that if I were to sit down and try to map it out linearly or sequentially, he delights in every detail of it all. He delights. He's there. He delights in those that he has planned and ordained. He delights in those things, the trauma that may have been against me and the consequences or the successes that I've brought into my own life. But it's not a delight as if I told you so. It's not a delight as if I told you so when the consequences come, but a patient delight in that he's here. He will never abandon me. We like to think, or to some extent, healing is often found in answering the question, where was God when? God, if you could answer that question, I think I could relax a little right? Answer me that question. Where was God when this happened? Where was God when I said yes to that question? Where was God when this person did that? Where was God? And I know that I am dealing with such a weighty question that I have no authority to answer individually other than the broad statement of he's happy to be here. And I do not want that to seem like a slap in the face because if I look at maybe the own traumatic experiences that I've had in my life, if someone were to tell me, hey, when you said yes to that question, God was happy to be there. Because my mind goes to, he's happy? He's happy that I said yes? 
we are always looking for intent. We're always looking for motive. We're always looking, why were you here and you did not do that? Why were you here and you did do that? When the purpose of that answer is he's happy to be here. He's happy to be here. God is omnipresent. God is happy to be here. He delights in every detail of your life. And because he is outside of space and time, because he does not look at necessarily past, present, and future, because it's all one experience to him, he is happy to be here. He's happy to be in the garden with Adam and Eve. He's happy to be here at the end of days. He's happy to be here today with us as we explore another part of him, another part of his character. He's happy to be here. He delights in every detail of your life. I found a prayer of thanksgiving that helps me to decipher the difference between maturity and immaturity. If I can say this prayer of thanksgiving, if I can remember this prayer of thanksgiving before I try to answer the question, where was God when? then it helps me. This prayer to thank you, Father, that in my early years, you spoke to me in dreams, visions, and parables that I could not understand. In my early years, and it's not just my youth, like when my young age, but in my young years of understanding, right? If I would have understood, if you would have spoke to me plainly, if it would have been linear and sequential, I would have told you how to be God. I never want to tell God how to be God. Job and God had a conversation about that. I never want to tell God how to be God. I think a sign of immaturity is a tendency to want to define something as one thing or another, as if life needs to be defined as if lines need to be clear, as if we need to know, we need to analyze each piece of the puzzle every step of the way, every experience we have in order to make sense of the whole. If my life is ordered by God, then by God it should probably be in a straight line and it should probably be sequential. It should probably be cause and effect. It should make sense and fit. Whereas maturity responds, and remember, maturity is not age. Maturity is experience, and maturity is mindset. Maturity responds, show me, or I need help to understand. Maturity doesn't know all the answers, but it does know that it doesn't need all of the answers. And, and that's where, we're, remember, we're stopping with the mess. Let, let go of the mess, the tangled mess that you think your life is. We stopped. We identified that God is waiting. He's listening. He's enduring. We understand that he's happy to be here. Now we understand that spiritual maturity doesn't need all the answers, right? Maturity receives the dream like a treasure map. It receives the dream like a treasure map, not... I don't need to know every step of the way. I don't need to know what everything looks like, but I know that when I get there, there will be a connection, just like on a treasure map, right? Maturity, maturity collects visions for life as if collecting puzzle pieces along the way. If you are under the age of 30, you do not need an all-encompassing vision for your life right now. 
if you are over the age of si 60, if you feel like you have lived with no vision for your life, start collecting. I, my child has like 10 piece puzzles. You don't need 100 for your life to be complex and full of meaning. Still the same picture. Maturity listens to the parable in order to understand, not just know or to find the answer, as if the answer could really ever be the point of life. The answer is not the point of life. Figuring it out is not the point of life. And I'm speaking to probably a majority of people who experienced 13 plus years in public education or higher education where that was and is the the mentality that we are raising our, our citizens with. Find the answer, move along. Your public education is not sponsored by Christ, okay? So just because that's a system of the world does not mean that's the way in which you approach your relationship with God. Finding the answer is not the purpose. Figuring it out is not the purpose. Getting the A is not the point. There is an understanding, there is an awareness, there is a, a journey, and that, there, is a, there, is a, there is a personal knowing, and that is the point. I recently found this line, which has imp impacted my view of life. I think it, it, it helps in, encapsulate what I'm trying to say this morning. Um, and I, I think it's just really good. A knot is an intentional tangle. I'll wait for the minds to explode. A knot is an intentional tangle. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a piece of string, a piece of yarn, a piece, a piece of rope. It's not straight. It's not ordered. It's not natural. But it's not tangled. A knot is an intentional tangle. There is a design. There is a level of control. There is a level of expertise. There's a level of just doing. A knot is an intentional tangle. So let's get, let's get back to our perspective of life. We've realigned our perspective of Christ. We've realigned our purpose, maybe our motive in, in life, our intention. Now let's get back to life. Life is not a tangled mess for you to sort out. This thought, the fact that a knot is an intentional tangle, it stops me and starts my thinking, starts my praying. It shifts my perspective and the way I look at and approach life. When we come upon a knot, we understand that it is for a purpose. You see an individual knot, you, 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 know, you may see a truck loaded down with furniture. You see a knot in jewelry, you understand that it is for a, a purpose, a design. You see knots in everyday life, and you don't try to untangle it, you know that it's there for a purpose. Only in the tangled messes of electrical cords and, and headphones and things that are unnatural, that's when you try to muddle and try to fix it and figure it out. But a knot, no one ever goes over to the truck loaded down with furniture and says, this is a tangled mess, I'm going to undo this. You don't do that. When we come upon a knot, we understand it's for a purpose. Like a, like a knitted or crocheted blanket. I know that that's not a series of knots, but when we come upon a collection of stitches, a collection of knots, a collection of, 
of interconnected and intertwined pieces of string or yarn. We understand that it's for a purpose. Those patterns of knots, of stitches, of twisted yarn come together to form a covering, a thing designed for the benefit of a child. We have a, a, uh, a crocheted blanket from Meredith that I was going to bring. <laughs> but I was looking at that crocheted blanket and, you know, just from a distance, it just looks like a solid piece of 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 fabric or just a solid thing and we accept it as a solid one piece thing but it's it's this yarn that is interconnected and it's woven it's and it's tangled into each other but there is a design and there is a purpose so that my child has a soft place to lay her head or a covering when we're in a cold room there is a comfort and a benefit to that if we minimize our view of the whole too closely it may just seem like a tangle. If I were to take Meredith's blanket and just look at this one minute piece of the whole, it looks like a tangle and I want to identify the pattern. I want to untangle it. It's a piece of yarn, it should be straight. It's a thing that we must figure out and loosen for the sake of order. And here's where we have a skewed idea of what order is. I have had a skewed idea of what order is. The steps of a righteous person are ordered, but they are not in a straight line. When I hear that scripture, the steps of a righteous person is ordered, I imagine a straight path in front of me. I do. I do. And that is our, that's our civilization coming out. That's not our living in the garden. The path winds around the tree, around the brook, around the house, around the field. I'm approaching this from a, a, from a more civilized, from a more ordered, a more uh, haughty perspective. The steps of a righteous person are ordered, but they are not in a straight line. Heather, you can... So what's the point? What's the point of this, of having this of having this talk, of having this discussion, of, of stopping our lives this Sunday morning to press pause on the frustrated mindset that we feel like we've had to uh, like realigning or rediscovering or r looking at God and rediscovering like really who he is and his intent and his purpose in our lives. What's the purpose of, of looking at my, my purpose, my intention, my role in stewarding my life because we are stewards of the life that we've been given and and we are stewards of the things that happen to us or that we do to ourselves even the things that god blesses us and ordains in our lives we are stewards of those things what's the point what's the essential truth life is not a tangled mess to endure or unravel you are called to an abundant life you are called to live an overflowing life. And if you approach life as if it is a tangled mess, you're not living an overflowing life. Life is not a tangled mess to endure or unravel. It is an intentional knot that is ordered and patterned on the individual and the collective level. Life is, life is a, a collection of knots. I look across this room and I see a collection of knots. If I look at the individual 
and we get muddled into it too much and we forget God's place in our life and we forget our role in our lives, you and I could sit down and we could try to untangle your life, but we would be doing a disservice and we would be telling God what he should be doing. Life is not a tangled mess to endure or unravel. It is an intentional knot that is ordered, patterned on the individual and the collective level. So to the individual, to the individual who was probably shocked, uh, maybe a little put off or just a little surprised at maybe the way that I speak, maybe the, the truth that I presented this morning, maybe the way that I presented it to the individual who um, just kind of identifies with that, that I've been approaching my life as a tangled mess. I've, I've had a frustrated mindset. I've went to bed a few times. I've woken up a few times with this headache that I now realize is because I've been clenching my teeth unconsciously. Psalms 139, 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. and knit me together in my mother's womb. Just stay there a while. If you find yourself, if you're prone to approaching your life in a frustrated, tense way, stay there a while. Stay in God's presence for a while, understanding and allowing him to speak to you on his, his, what he thinks his purpose is in your life and what he, what his response is to this tangled mess that you think you have. Just stay there a while. Stay where there, stay there with the truth that he knit you together in your mother's womb. Start with God as creator, God as founder, God as master. God as designer, God as father, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And there's, in my physicality, in my, both in my body and my experience, you knit me together. You, you knit together the things that you ordained. You knit together the decisions that I have made, the dreams that I have dreamed, the plans that I have made. You even knit together the things that have been done against me that have been so traumatic that have really skewed my view of life. You knit all three of those cords together to form this intentional knot that is so beautiful, so functional, so purposeful, so individual. To the, to the collection of knots, to the community. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. This is Paul reading, uh, writing to the church at... Uh, I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want the... This is a spiritual father, a spiritual leader. I, this is healthy leadership. I want 
the individual knots to be knit together by strong ties of love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of mess. Love covers a multitude. As much as we are designed to be a covering, we are covered. And so that individual mess that you think you have, it's, we're, it's safe. It's secure. It belongs. God will make something beautiful with us all. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. Oh, wait a minute. There is a tangle to untangle. There is a knot to unravel. There is a riddle to decipher this mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Yarn is just a collection of individual fibers. There's a simplicity in knowing that the mysterious plan for us all is Christ himself, but there is a complexity that's underneath it as well. Yarn is so simple. It's so, it's so everyday. But if you break it apart, it's, it's this multitude in him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and all the knowledge. So to the collective community, be encouraged, be knit together in love. That is our purpose. That is our function. Have confidence because Christ is the plan. Christ is the order. And then looking toward the eternal because you have an individual life that you will live once you leave this building. Looking forward to the eternal. John 16, verse 33 in the Passion Translation. This is Jesus speaking. I think it's important that we reference some of his words when we gather. Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. Now, public education told me that I am taught to know the answer. Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. So he taught me to give me peace. That peace is in him and it will give me confidence not to figure the mess out, not to make it make sense, but so I can rest. There is confidence necessary to rest. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, tension and anxiety. What you think on the surface is a muddled mess, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. It's like this hype and then this release. You must have confidence so that you can rest. You must be courageous. So you can rest in that Christ has comfort, conquered the world. So to the eternal, let us not just use this as positive mindset or positive thinking or just another way to look at life, but let's understand that Christ is the plan and that we are designed and created to rest confidently and be in relationship courageously. Even if I don't unravel this mess, 
make sense of this or find clarity in the design of my intentional knot. That's another thing, using language. I really shouldn't have said the word mess. It reminds me that God designed me, both my physical body and the direction of my life. It reminds me that he has knit me into a community, and it reminds me that Christ has overcome the world. You may stand. To the individual, if you could close your eyes, if you could just make this moment personal, if you could if we could be attentive to finding purity and truth this morning to the individual just come to Christ come to God rest at his feet let him tell you let him help you discover his characteristics, his purpose, his function, his vocabulary, his answers to some of your muddled questions. Just, just sit at his feet. Just, just be personal. Just be one-on-one. Imagine yourself sitting at a, at a, at a kitchen table just across, across the table from him and just talk to him. Just just realign your perspective of who he is in your life, the personableness and uh, the magnitude of, of who he is, what he's able to endure, what he's able to knit together, what he's able to, to make sense of, the patterns that he's able to design. Just Just stay there a while. Don't stay there too long because... A knot on its own is only so functional. It's only so strong. It's only so It's only so good. But in community with intentional knots knit together. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you need a connection. Maybe you need this feeling of interconnectedness. Maybe you maybe you need a family, a community. Understand that that can be found here. God knits together not only the things that are done in our lives, the things that we do, the things that he has done, but he also knits together the people in this room, the personalities, the strengths, the experiences, the wisdom, the years, the zeal, the all of it. He knits it together. And so allow him to, to knit it together. And so this morning when we, when we come to that moment at the end of the service, maybe find someone and pray with them. Maybe find someone and encourage them with how they have made you feel connected, how they have made you feel covered, <laughs> how they have made you feel comforted. And then for us all, I, I want us to rest in, in knowing that the plan is Christ. The ordered steps of a righteous person, they are ordered, but they're not in a straight line. And Christ has conquered the world.
Christ has conquered the world.